Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ. He is Steve. Yo soy Esteban. And Ubisoft has a potty mouth in episode 245 today, October. What is the October 16th? I think it is. 15th, I believe it is. Right? Is it 15th or 16th? You are correct, Stephen. It's 15th. October 15th, 2021. We're going to be catching up with each other, asking what all is new before going right into our topic of the day, which is the Far Cry 6 gameplay impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the Light game stamps. Located in the details section below. But before we begin, make sure you take a chomp out of that subscribe button and maybe punch that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. Steve, what is new in your neck of the woods? What have you been playing? What have you been watching lately? What have you been up to? Huh? Well, right. well, with the exception of Far Cry, I've been watching a couple Things mm, have you know? Yeah, I've been trying to remember what I've watched. It's been a while. I mean, we don't talk about stuff like this anymore, you know. Well, I mean, we we go back and forth. Yeah, I feel like, like there forth. there are certain stints where we dedicate the show to the topic of the day, but then we're very know, considerate you know. with the time. Yes, you know, we're trying to keep it pithy. Yeah, well, relatively speaking. <laughs> so, I have watched Cry Macho, Russ. You watch what? Cry Macho. Cry, oh, Cry Macho. Uh, Who's in that? That's Clint Eastwood, Russ. The Clint Eastwood movie that they've been advertising on YouTube and on TV and on the theaters everywhere. Ah, uh, yes. That is the latest Clint Eastwood movie, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. How is it? Well, it's kind of um, a slow burner, Russ. You don't say. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like, I mean, Clint Eastwood, some of his movies like uh, like Gran Torino, for example, that one wasn't a slow burner by a long shot. I mean, it had action in it. It had some, uh, you know, some, some funny moments, some tense moments. Wait, which one? Gran Torino. I don't think I saw that one. That's the one where he's, uh, you know, he's living by himself. He's a military guy. He lives in a mixed neighborhood and... Um, his, uh, they were like Vietnamese, I think family that was living beside him was getting in trouble by one of the gangs in the area. It's like in Chicago or something. You know, I'm actually guilty of not seeing as many Clint Eastwood movies as I probably should. Like million dollar baby was one that yeah, I missed out on. Dollar baby. Did you yeah. see that one? I saw that one a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have yet to see that, Quite but I, it's on my, yeah. to, to see <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. But is it good though? No, no, Grand uh, Million Dollar Baby was depressing. <laughs> Grand Turismo, wait. <laughs> On PS Five, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but his a lot of his movies tend to be those slow burner types. I mean, I, I remember friends who were raving about the Unforgiven movie, and I remember seeing him win the Oscars for that film. And I was like, oh, that must be a pretty good Western. I'll have to check it out. And it was the slowest movie ever. <laughs> like just this incredibly slow burn. And like he repeats that same line. Like, I'm a good man. I don't know what I do in my past, but I'm a good man. I'm just like, okay, we, we get, we get the point. And 
I totally, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Uh, you know, our, our mutual buddy, uh, Jeff Herndon. Yes. is a huge ah, Clint Eastwood fan. Jeff. And he's an even bigger fan of that movie, Unforgiven. And I teased him about that. He was so mad at me because he, he just loves it. And I'm just sitting there like, this movie's overrated. <laughs> you want a proper Western? You watch Tombstone. That's a proper <laughs> Western movie. But anyway, oh boy, back to you, Steve. So yeah, I mean it's a pleasant movie, but I mean it's not going to be edge of your seat. You know, it, it, it's not disturbing. It's not a big gunfighty kind of movie. Is it halfway it's- across your seat? No. No, your your gluteus maximus is yeah. planted squarely you're, in the bucket. You're reclining. Yeah, nah, you're you don't you don't get up much. Uh, you just enjoy it for what it is, really. I mean, you, you know, if I get some popcorn, maybe you're not chomping on the popcorn. Like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> you know, it, it's um, it's it's a pleasant movie. Oh. It's nothing like crazy though. Uh huh. You know. Uh huh. And then I saw the Many Saints of Newark. This is another title that sounds familiar, but I have not seen it. Yeah, Russ, this is the prequel to The Sopranos. It is? Yes, Russ. Wait, what's the name again? Uh, Say it the, again? the Many Saints of Newark. I thought it was under a different title. No. No, it's what? not. You got to watch the trailer again. Remember we saw it in the theater and I was like, you're like, oh yeah, Sopranos. Oh yeah, you're going to like that. Yeah, but I thought it had a different title name. No, that's what it's called. And it even has like the Sopranos theme song towards the end. I'm I'm not challenging uh, uh, the content of what was in the trailer. Uh, uh, I just thought the name of the movie was something completely different. No. That's what it is, Russ. And you were asking me about it uh, a couple weeks ago. I did. I was uh, I was interested in checking that out with you, but then you were saying how I probably would be lost because I haven't watched the uh, the seasons. You would be very lost. Would I be very lost? You or would, would I be, just be like lost? putting your tail between your legs, asking for directions every block. I don't have a tail, Steve. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so fans of the movie will like it. I don't think they will love it, though. Well, you are a big fan of the show. I so. am a big fan of the show, and uh, I've made my wife sit through the, the whole entire series a does couple like times. It? Yeah, she does, yeah. actually. But uh, so you watch the show, and you're like, ooh, that was that one character. Ooh, that was that other character. Oh, they're naming like they're name dropping all over the place, and you think this is great, and and you remember scenes or memories that uh, you saw them describe like in the show, mm-hmm. and then that actually happens. It plays out in the movie, and you're like, oh yeah, that was great. But then the movie by itself as a whole, it it doesn't really go anywhere. Like for example, if you watch like Goodfellas, yeah. or something, that is like a mafia movie. It has a beginning, it has an end. You know, it, it plays out. You get to know the characters, and it, and it, it has some action sequences in it, um, or like Godfather or something like that. This is nothing like that. Hmm. This is literally like a love letter to the Sopranos fans saying, hey, uh, you know, you, you like Tony Soprano, you want to see a little bit more, like you know when he was a kid. Well, here you go. Um, but by and large, I mean, that that is like the high and short of it. 
So like we watched it, we enjoyed it, but there's so many characters that we know. Yeah. But you would have no idea who they are. You'd be like, okay, yeah, why was that character important? They were on there for like eight that minutes. Makes sense, That's yeah. all, you know. And rather I'd be like, I remember that from season three, episode nine. You know, I would miss thing. out on all of the significance right. of each one of the, the characters that makes right. a, a a cameo or, or makes a showing of some kind. Because here's the thing, like in the series, you get to know like Tony Soprano, you know, Pauly, you know, yeah. Silvio, you know, the, like the, the regular guys and you see them quite a bit, but they make references to other people like their parents or their uncles sort of thing who are like, who are either killed or they're in prison or whatnot. So a lot of like the old guys they reference mm. or that you see in the series, they come back in this. And so you go, Oh my gosh, they talked about him so much in the, the series that we watch, but that's it. You wouldn't recognize or know the significance otherwise. So anyway, you could watch it. Um, I mean, if you, if it all makes sense, awesome. But I think you're just going to be lost. Well, I, yeah, and, and I think I'll take your advice on that. I think what I what I need to do is watch the seasons first, get all of the the canon under my belt, and then watch a film like that. Plus, from what you're telling me, it sounds like you while you enjoyed the movie, it wasn't like oh, this is like a must see. You you, you right. know, your life will not be complete unless you see right. this movie kind of thing. And plus, at the end, I'm not going to say what happens at the end, but the end really leaves you hanging. Like, are they going to make another one? Like, they can't leave it there. You know, I'm, I'm so, sure there's always a possibility. You know, I, but it, you you think that when there's going to be a sequel. Um, there's going to be enough hype at the end of the movie. Like, oh man, they have got to make a second one. That was so great. This one, I mean, they they definitely need to make a second one, but um, the hype's not there. We're like, you're chomping at the bit and waiting for the next one. It's just not like that. I see, Steve. I see. Anyway, Ross, that's about it for me. Yeah. Well, I have a number of things I've been looking forward to. Oh, really? About, Steve. Indeed. First of all, so funny story. I think I may have mentioned this to you, but I thought it'd be fun to go into more detail and also be able to, to tell this to our viewers slash listeners. So this past week was a big deal because it was where I decided to introduce my daughter to Star Wars. Oh, boy. And have I, have I told you this about already or? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Well, good. Hmm. So anyway, she is six years old. She's about to turn seven next month. And so she's right in that age where it's like, okay, I think I can start to introduce her to this crazy world known as Star Wars. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start her off with A New Hope because... The, the original trilogy is what you and I grew up with. It's it's like the OG out of the three trilogies that they have made so far, um, you know, notwithstanding the, the other uh, standalone films they've also made. But I thought to myself, okay, let's start off with A New Hope. And so my wife and I had a lot of fun preparing for this because it's a big deal. You know, in our household, it's a big deal. It's almost like a coming of age. It's It's like... 
kind of, sort of, our version of a Mar Mitzvah, but she's not turning 13. But when huh. it comes to Star Wars, you know, like, like this is something that I have been looking forward to for a very long time. And so we ended up going to the party store. We bought a bunch of Star Wars balloons. You know, like, like we got one that had, like, the various uh, Star Wars characters on it. And then we bought, like, a bunch of black, silver, and, like, gold balloons to go along with it. We, we bought the, like, this um, Star Wars tablecloth that you normally use for, like, a birthday party, but we used it for our own table. And then we also had fun making a bunch of little snacks. And so, like, we went on to Pinterest and there's already like a ton of great ideas out there in terms of what you can do to kind of have a bit more of a festive setting if you're going to watch a Star Wars movie. And so we had all kinds of different ideas that we were considering. And I ended up going with one where like there's these little bite sized crackers that actually are the same shape as like a TIE fighter. And so like you can take little like square blocks of cheese and put a little cream cheese on either side of them and stick them together. So the, I I literally had this tray. It was like a fleet of mini tie fighters all lined up, ready to go. Um, my wife made this, this, uh, chips and dip. And and instead of calling it the, the seven layer dip, she called it the seven layer dip. So that was a lot of fun. We also took the, um, I don't know if you've seen those, those pretzels, but like they're, they're about, you know, about the size of a cigar. And sure. then they're, they're about that thick. And we ended up taking chocolate and food dye for, you know, food coloring. And what we ended up doing was we melted a bunch of chocolate and then um, applied it to these pretzels so that they look like lightsabers. <laughs> and so it was fun because we used some blue color dye. We, we made like the like three fourths of, of each one of those pretzels, like, like kind of the lilac blue color that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker use for the lightsaber. And then we used dark chocolate as like the handle. And then uh, my wife got these little mini M&Ms to use as like the buttons on the lightsaber. So we got to put those in when the chocolate was still like, you know, in a, in a kind of a fluid state before it hardened. So we had all these different types of, of uh, different types of things set up. And we were, uh, we even got like star Wars napkins and plates. I mean, we, we really, I mean, she even got like, like this place setting for the table as like a decorative element. And it's, you know, it's like a little cheap thing you find in the party store, but like it has like these little, cardboard cutouts of the main characters so you can like have these like stormtroopers and Darth Vader and Leia and Luke and Han and Chewie and all that and uh, so anyway totally went out for this I was, I was super excited so we sit down and I'm sitting with her on the couch and, and she's wondering what's going on and I know uh, or I should say I knew at the time but, but I mean knowing going into this whole situation this is a big step for her because I mean she's used to watching Paw Patrol or she's <laughs> used to watching some of the more Disney stuff or maybe Bluey or uh, oh, I don't even remember like all the, I mean, she, she there's a, a huge catalog of shows that she watches but not so much does she watch I would say Blippy is the one exception but she really doesn't watch any kind of live action movies, any kind of, you know, like maybe like there's one where like you have those animated talking dogs, right? Like the, the, the dog owners are holding them and you see their little jaws moving all weird and stuff. Sure. She, that's about the extent of, of what she's been used to. So I knew going into it that, um, this was going to be a big step. She was probably going to be scared at parts and whatnot, but you know, I figured, okay, now, now's the time. So, we watched the movie, we got through it, 
And I asked her at the end, I'm like, oh, so, you know, actually, uh, Leslie asked her, she's like, what'd you think? And she was like, did you, did you like it? And Phoebe <laughs> said no. <laughs> well, that sucks. It was the funniest thing because, like, she, the, the, these are her own words. I mean, she thought the movie was really intense. That's the mm. word she picked. And also scary. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like when you think about it to a six-year-old, like the film opens up with this like crazy Star Destroyer oh, coming into geez, frame. Yeah. You have uh, like the, the rebel soldiers getting shot down. Oh, you man. You see Darth Vader like choking out a rebel soldier, breaking his neck and throwing him against the wall. Like this is so not what she's used to seeing. That's uh, <laughs> the opposite of what she's used to seeing. Yes. She's used to like Disney princesses and you go, hey, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to watch what happens in real life? Sort of. <laughs> but fantasy. Uh, you want to watch people getting offed? Yeah. And and she definitely, like, one of the things that stood out to her in terms of being, like, creepy and stuff was the whole, like, trash compactor oh, monster. <laughs> and that little eyeball goes, and, like, looks around and goes back uh, under. She immediately looked at me and she was like, what was that? <laughs> man. So, anyway... Totally, I was just like, oh, how could my child, how is this my child? She's supposed to love Star Wars. And um, I will also add, though, that she did want to, she was wearing a Star Wars t-shirt that we got her as well. And I was wearing my my Star Wars t-shirt. I had a Star Wars hat on. I mean, I was decked out. I was ready to go. She did say that she wanted to wear her Star Wars shirt to school the next day. Well. So I keyed on that. I was like, Oh, perhaps this is my own <clears throat> new hope that she will eventually love Star Wars. How old is she, Russ? Six? She's almost seven. Ah, She's going to be seven next yeah, month. Probably wanted to wait till she was about nine. Well, I don't know. Like, there are so many kids who see Star Wars at a young age. I mean, I've seen quite a few kids who Boys are. Boys or girls? Girls. Oh, come on. Oh, seriously. Like, I have friends who have daughters who have introduced uh, their little ones to Star Wars, and they were like five years old, like four or five years old. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. Mm. So I was thinking to myself, like, okay, six going on seven. I mean, she's basically seven now. It's like, okay, yeah, you know. But looking at, at what where she's at, it may be that maybe she's nine or 10 years old by the time I introduce her to Empire Strikes Back because we just know that, you know, Empire is even darker than A New Hope. <laughs> hey, so, honey, you want you remember those lightsabers? You want to see Luke get his hand cut off? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad, I promise. Not, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> it's make-believe. Um, but anyway, so there was that, and then there was also... Um, she's been making like little comments, like, like she keeps reverting back to like certain scenes that she remembered from the movie or like, even like with the little table decorations that we have uh, uh, up even to the, I think what there's, they're still up. Hmm. She's like, I've, I have caught her like, like, you know, playing with princess Leia or looking and I asked her, I said, who's your favorite character? And at first she said her favorite was Luke. Oh, her favorite was Luke Skywalker followed uh, closely by Leia. Ah, of course. And she seems to enjoy 
Chewbacca. I, th- I think she's starting to warm yes. up to Chewie a bit. Yes. Uh, she did think that Han was kind of mean at times. Yeah, you well, know, girls at that age, you know, they don't like those boys too much, those bad boys. Those but, scoundrels, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, wait till she gets to her teens, Russ. Han Solo might be her new favorite. I think you're onto something there, Steve. Question for you, though, Russ. Have you caught her talking into the fan like Darth Vader yet? No, but the only reason why is probably because I have not shown her that. In fact, that may be something (laughs) her uncle introduces her to. I I sense an opportunity there. (laughs) But no, I, I, I do love the fact that... I was able to experience that with her. I had a great time. Again, my I'm going to keep a positive frame of mind. I'm going to hope that uh, as she gets older, she will develop a bit of a, more of a, a hankering for the Star Wars. And like I said, like you can tell, like even to this this day right now, like like she's curious about it. The curiosity is there. I think there's a little bit of shock from <laughs> it's like seriously getting leveled up from like, Hey, we're watching Paw Patrol. No, 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 no. We're going to watch some Star Wars. <laughs> I want to take the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Uh, take me back to the cartoons. I can't handle it. No cartoons. <laughs> yeah. They're on the fire out back. Those are all gone, honey. It's time you start to mature a bit. Show you a little bit of real world action. Oh boy. Next saving private Ryan <laughs> history lesson. Uh, I hear the history class portion of your uh, schooling is a little lacking <laughs> like circus lemonade, honey. <laughs> Let your daddy teach you pivoting off of that. Though, oh yes. I finished the Marvel's What If series. Oh. Did you ever finish no, that? I have not finished it yet, Russell. I got to finish that before the year's end. Indeed, Steve. Indeed, you do. Well, I won't go into spoiler territory yes. uh, simply because you have not seen it. And also, the, the final episode eh, it released, I want to say, earlier this week. I don't think mm. it was last week. It was, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't, there's so many things going on. It's hard to keep it all up here. Yeah, I was recent though because I know Facebook was uh, listening to me talk to my wife about it. And so every <laughs> once in a while, they're like, oh, hey, <laughs> next episode's out. I'm like, how do you know that I'm talking, Facebook? <laughs> and as per usual, Facebook was eavesdropping <laughs> on everything that I do privately and uh, <laughs> decided to proactively suggest certain things. Like, floss? Floss Facebook. Who flosses <laughs> these days? <laughs> it's the dance move I'm trying to learn. Anyway. I hate the dentist. Gosh. <laughs> well, I I finished uh, watching the What If series, and overall, I liked it. I'm curious to know, once you have a chance to check it out, what your thoughts are going to be, but I will say I think that there are certain episodes that weren't as strong as others, but then the ones that were strong were actually really well done. So I think it was worth the exploration, like like for them to green light this and be able to have fun with the concept of what if placing these characters in different types of scenarios. I think it was overall a success. And I think it's cool because not only does it spurn on new conversations that fans would have that go beyond that, you know, like, like they'll, they'll use that as like a foundation or a catalyst to be able to talk about what other kind of what if scenarios could happen. But I also think too, there are people who were fans of the what if comic book that I think 
were, I don't know if they were necessarily satisfied, but at least it's starting to quench that thirst because of all the movies that have come before it. And this allows Marvel to be able to do that without blowing the budget, so to speak, because if they were to go down a certain rabbit hole and all of a sudden it doesn't work out, then they're not going to be like, we spent $200 million (laughs) on that. It didn't work. So anyway, uh, I'm going to be looking forward to to seeing what you have to say about Mm. that. Overall, like I said, like the way it ended, I think it ended pretty strong. Okay. And so... I, I think at this point it's it's going to be kind of a wait and see attitude as to whether or not they come up with a, a second season. Okay. We'll just have to see. Overwatch. Okay. Yeah. Halloween is now live. Yeah, that's right, Russ. My favorite time of year for Overwatch. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I didn't know Halloween was your favorite time of year. No, it's not. Not that that's a bad thing or anything. Yeah, uh, Overwatch has the uh, the Halloween Night of Terror. Yes. Which never gets old for me. I mean, I can blow up those Omnics repeatedly, are, day in and day out, Russ. You are a big fan of Junkenstein's Revenge. Yes. Would you say, though, that you're still like, a big fan or just a fan? I don't know. I wouldn't call myself a big fan. I mean, I think people yeah. would be like, you're not a big fan. You're not, no, 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 no. I, I play six hours a day. You're not a big fan. So I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but I mean, I, you're attracted to it. Yes. Like when it comes up, you want to play some of those modes. Yes, Although quite a bit. He doesn't like to play all of the, the modes. No. I think there are certain modes that I think kind of get under your skin a bit. Or maybe you're just not interested. Well, it seems like the, like the people who play like the classic <clears throat> mode. Mm-hmm. Where you just got to survive the night. Yes. Those people seem to be more like on the same wavelength or they, they, we all work together cohesively. Like we know what's up. We know what needs to be done. We're all paying attention to each other, but people who seem to play the game modes, who just kind of want to get the, I don't even know if they want to get the extra loot box, but it seems like repeatedly we get with people who are like, okay, guys. One man army. I'm going to do my own thing. You're like, but you're the healer and you're in the middle of the, yeah. you know, what are you doing? That seems to happen more with the game modes. And so <laughs> if that's what's going to be with like, you know, the Omnics rushing towards you or whatever, and you end up losing all the time versus just playing classic mode, getting a bunch of experience and winning, mm-hmm. I'd rather just win. Yeah, I think there is definitely a formula with each one of those those game modes within the Halloween special that like as long as you respect and are aware of what it is that you're supposed to do, you're going to be fine. But I think everybody just gets a little too excited and just hops around woo, and they yeah. kind of forget like, no, we have to guard the door. It's Otherwise, kinda, we're going to lose. It's kind of like all the people like if, if there's a Reinhardt and he has a shield out like, OK, I have the shield. I'm going forward. You guys stay behind me. And shoot ahead at the people that are oncoming. And then you have people that are just going, okay, whatever, shield, let's just go. And they end up getting off, and then you're just like standing there holding your shield, like, all right, I'll start up. Or even like me. the other uh, <laughs> side of that coin, too, is like when you have a Reinhardt on your team, you get behind that Reinhardt. This happened to me, I think, today, actually. <laughs> oh, and I'm thinking, okay, he's got my back. He's going to keep his shield open. And so I get in the position and I start sh- uh, firing. And then he just lets go and goes off somewhere. And then I'm completely exposed in the middle of the map. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I get blasted. <laughs> or you just go charging through like the other half of the map. You're like, but you were my shield. Yeah, yeah. And he's gone. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wait a minute. <gasps> Man. So good times, though, Steve. It was good times. Yes. 
I have also watched a movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm. Sicario. Yes. You've seen Sicario. Yeah, that's that's the one with the, like the real intense uh, scene where they just pass the border. They're in like Juarez. Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay, I'm glad that you have seen it. I couldn't remember if you had seen it or not, but I ended up watching both uh, one and two. I didn't really care for two all that much. Two wasn't, to me, to me two was not as memorable as one. Yes. No, I, I totally agree. And I think two... The, the source material, like like, like the, the topic that they are tackling is great. Yeah. I think there's not enough of a dive into what it is that they're trying to make a narrative about. Uh, because I'm with you. Like, there, the, there's that one scene where you have uh, those black Chevrolet, Suburban, whatever, yeah. those, those uh, SUVs. And they're crossing the border. They're going to get whatever kind of uh, high priority target from the Mexican jail. And then they're going to come back across the border. That whole sequence, I know I thought that was brilliant. Like yeah. it was so tense. And like, I felt like I was right there. Like a lot of the camera work that they did in that particular sequence was spot on. I, I loved how you could feel the jostling of the vehicles. And apparently like, that's actually the norm over there where they have a lot of those speed bumps in place to prevent a lot of like the cartels from just running people over and that sort of thing. Cause I was wondering, I'm like, why are there so many dips and things? You know, cause I mean, it's, it's a paved road, it's asphalt. Like, but it was interesting how they kept doing that kind of bouncy, bouncy kind of thing. Right. That's the reason why. And I really appreciated too, the, the realism of the, the tactics that the CIA and like the, the FBI and um, even the, the federalities were doing. Um, and I, I was talking to a friend who used to be in the U S military. In fact, I believe if I, if I'm not mistaken, he, his like main focus was on the border and he has been trying to get me to watch this movie for quite some time. And so I texted him to let him know, Hey, I, I finally got around to checking this out. And he was saying how, the the creators of this movie either hired like special like uh, advisors who actually do this on the regular, or maybe there's someone in the crew uh, who ha who actually has had real world experience in this because he said literally everything that you saw in that particular sequence was legit. Like that kind of stuff happens way more often than we realize. And so that, that was like, whoa, that was, that was pretty crazy to hear him uh, talk about that. But also too, like when they're coming back across that border and seeing what's going down, it was so masterfully done. And there were other sequences in the movie too, that I thought were really well done. And I, I don't want to go into it cause I don't want to, um, you know, say any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but I do highly recommend at least the first one to your point. Like the second one starts out strong, but then it kind of gets lost right. in this weird digression of like <laughs> what they wanted to show as opposed to like, like I think for me personally, I started thinking about Narcos, right? Which is one of my favorite series on, I think it was Netflix, Netflix is, yeah. is, is what it was on. And, um, and that show does such a fantastic job of actually going into the cartels and showing like what is all is happening, what's going on. They still have some semblance of their dealings with like the FBI or border patrol or whatever else. Um, but that show to me was much more fulfilling in the sense that you actually did get to see what life is like 
from that vantage point or that perspective or whatever, kind of that omnipresent um, experience in there. So, um, and, and I got to hand it to, to Benicio del Toro, man. I, I am always a fan of his, every movie I've seen him in the man, just, he, he just commands the screen presence. I, I feel like, do you agree? I do agree. Yeah, actually I, I, um, when I, he was in the, the collector or playing the part of the, the collector is the voice. And what if every time I see him on screen, it doesn't matter. I mean, it could have been, you know, in another Marvel film or whatnot, yeah. but, or it could have been in snatch for example. Oh yeah. Um, I, I hearken him back before I saw, um, before I saw Sicario, I saw snatch and I always thought of Benicio del Toro as, uh, you know, the guy, the gambler. Yeah. And well, I think that was the first film that we saw him in was in snatch. I think it was well, at least for me. It was, yeah, I think it was for me too. Like I, I didn't know about him at all before that movie, but then he did such a great job in that film. I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's really good. And then since then, every film I've seen him in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this yeah. guy's talented. And I think he's actually in, is he in that, uh, the movie that's coming out re- soon? It's like the, the Gucci movie. I think it is. I think he's in that movie. I don't, there's no. a huge cast uh, with it. Anyway, so I always thought, I always saw Benicio Del Toro uh, within Snatch whenever I would see him on screen, but I was like the the like the like staple that you know, yeah. he was in. But after watching Sicario, like now that's the staple that I remember for Benicio Del Toro. So when I see him anywhere else, I'm like, ah, like I was the coolest in Sicario. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate um, a lot of the, I mean, it's not even a lot. It's like it, literally every role I've seen him in, I, I've just loved how he's portrayed that particular role. And honestly, with Sicario, oh, another fun fact is uh, I am friends with someone whose husband was in Sicario. Huh. I don't know if you remember this or not, but he had a small part where uh, they were in kind of like an FBI truck or something, and there was like this kind of uh, clean cut dude who was uh, jumping out of the truck to go do something. I can't remember exactly what was going on, but like I, I was watching, I'm like, I think I recognize that guy. And so I text up my friend and I'm like, is your husband, was your husband in Sicario? And she's like, yeah, he was. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm watching it right now. That's so funny. So a little, little fun <laughs> trivia for you there. But my hope is, is that we will eventually get to have a Sicario three. And if that happens, I really want them to, you know, first of all, don't abandon what they've already established with these different government agencies and what goes on at the border. I just want there to be a bit more of like, like kind of an, uh, an epic confrontation in terms of the cartels. Um, what are some of the, the um, things that, that in real world life, like what, what are some of the other conflicts that they're having to deal with? How, you know, what's the fallout going to be like? I mean, do you, do you agree? I do, and I'm trying to remember what happened in the second one. I thought I watched it, and I just really it really lost its flair. And I'm wondering if, I mean, the second one wasn't like a prequel to the first. It was like a, a for sure yeah, sequel. It was. Oh yeah, it's it continued where the first one left off. Okay, so yeah, I I want a prequel because I don't want to give away the story, but I mean, there is a very unique individual Benicio del Toro plays, yeah, yeah. and who has a story that put him in that position. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see that backstory. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. If they make Sicario three. No, that, that is actually, um, 
that's a good idea because yeah, he's, yes. he plays like, like that, that type of role where you don't really know too much about his backstory at all. You realize, okay, he has some sort of understanding with the U S government, but right. at the same time, it's not like he's a hundred percent loyal either. He's kind of more, well, like, like the name implies Sicario in Spanish means hitman. Right. So, He's a contract and he's contracted. He didn't go through like FBI school to be on part of the team. Right. Like he is contracted on with the feds to, you know, to help them out. And he does, does not shoot them. So they have an understanding. Uh, understandings <laughs> are, uh, you know, that's what's most important. These trying times. Well, pull out the bar of soap. It's time for the topic of the day. Our topic of the day is Far Cry 6 gameplay impressions. We are going to be going over what we thought of our initial gameplay thus far. I think we've got, I think for me, I've put in probably a few hours. What about you? A few more hours, Rose. I've seen your map. Oh. You know, I was going to say. You're probably farther along than I am. A little bit farther around. I'm not that far, Rose, but I am farther along than you. Um, I made it to like across the map. Oh, but that's not like, I'm basically like a quarter into the game. That's a nice map, by the way. Yeah, it is a nice map. I enjoy it. Um, if you weren't going to say, wash your mouth, that was soap. I was going to say it, Russ. And tr- was- truth be told, I didn't see the notes. So, uh, <laughs> but I was like, man. Nah. It was pretty good, huh? It was, Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought it was mm-hmm. appropriate. <sighs> While we're at it, we, we might as well just, just get this out of the way. What is with Ubisoft and the F word? I just, I, I'm just curious to know, you know, they weren't always like this. They but, weren't always like this. I always wonder if it's like they're trying to reflect what like they think their audience talks like on a regular basis. You know, I, for example, when I was, when I was at the JC, Russ, the junior college, <laughs> Taking media courses. <clears throat> Highly distinguished. Yeah, Princeton yes, wishes yes, they yes, had a yes. bone to pick with that place. <laughs> they said in the textbook, Russ, that media mirrors what society is, and society likewise mirrors the media. This is very true. And so I think Ubisoft, because I because in some some of the games, it's not even limited with Ubisoft. Ubisoft, <laughs> Ubisoft, you. yes. It's like some some games like that uh, that come out of Japan. Sure, like they're way more language. Like, and they're like, oh my gosh, they think we talk like that a lot over here. Like, what in the world? How is this scripted? Well, and that whole thing is kind of funny too because <laughs> it kind of comes across as awkward at times in their game is because they're trying to emulate what they think how it is that right. we talk on the regular. But then you're playing the game, you're like. <laughs> That's not like how you would express yourself, even if you were cussing or whatever. But no, in Ubisoft's case, what I think is really bizarre is 
So I'm a big fan of Ubisoft. I've I've enjoyed their games for decades. Like you're looking at the person like I'm a huge like Ghost Recon fan. Love the Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter series. Love the Splinter Cell series. Love the Rainbow Six series. There's a lot that they've done. And even with their more recent titles, I really love how they've been with their Assassin's Creed titles have been getting more and more into this open world type of, of scenario. But what's, what's weird to me is that back in the day, like, like we're talking like, say, you know, Xbox, Xbox 360, PS2 days, maybe even PS3. I'll throw PS3 in there as well. There was more of a maturity in terms of their dialogue. Like in, in, when, I'm, when I say maturity, I'm talking about like, I could see this script being used in like, say the 24 TV series or maybe even a film. Like, like, I mean, they had Michael Ironside as the voice of Sam Fisher, which was fantastic. And there was, I mean, like that was kind of one of the, the strong points of an Ubisoft title. And that was, that was the case for a long time. And now it seems, I would say just within the past five to seven years, right in that like little pocket of time, there has been this weird transition where every single game that they come out with, it just, they're, they're like, they're just cussing profusely. And it's like, okay, I understand. I'm a full grown man. I cuss myself from time to time. I'm not proud of it, but you know, hey, it happens, right? But there's it's so a part many of the dialogue. There's so many more words to use in the English language. Well, like, why yeah. are we resorting to like the choppiest stuff? I mean, I'm glad we're getting this out of the way in the beginning, yeah. Honestly, because like, literally, this is my one gripe with the game is because in previous Far Cries, I mean, I didn't play Far Cry Five. I didn't play, but Far you played a lot of them though. I played three and four. I own both. Three, four, and three on the six. Okay, and yeah, I, I didn't play Primal and I didn't play Five. I just jumped to six. And 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 five and Primal weren't weren't that good either. Like those were probably like the least popular. Mm -hmm. um, but the story and the the screenplay, like the dialogue, the written dialogue, is pretty darn good in those games. Like this is definitely different. Yeah. And so, but you notice it right away. And to me, it's it's just kind of poor writing. Well, I, I think it's poor writing, but also too, for instance, like. In terms of like like standard conversation, you have certain words that you use in order to make an emphasis on something, whether that be an emotional emphasis or you're trying to like drive a point home based off of like some sort of story that happened, whatever that may be. And so you want to be able to pace yourself in terms of like, like the F word, for example, like if you use the F word in every other sentence, it loses its potency. It loses like kind of the purpose of why that word exists. And suddenly it becomes this awkward situation where it's almost like you're with a friend and you guys are like at a restaurant or something and you like your friend, you know, you treasure your friend, you respect your friend, but your friend cusses like a sailor. And so you're in public and they're just throwing the F bomb around all these other people. And you're, you're kind of embarrassed. You're right. embarrassed to be there. You're embarrassed for your friend and you're, but you don't want to say anything, but you're kind of trying to hint like, Hey, why don't you like, you know, tone it down a little bit. Like there's no need to like constantly do this. And so like, you know, this game is, is, uh, is no exception in the sense that like literally like 
every other sentence or, or every two sentences or something, there, there's some sort of F-bomb that's thrown in. And that's the thing too that's bizarre is like, even if I'm like examining like kind of the vocabulary of cussing, <laughs> there's a whole lot more there that they're not using. And you're just like, why do you go for that one? You know, it's, it's the weirdest thing. But to me, you know, I, I'm enjoying the game in spite of the fact that, that they have that going on. But I mean, one can't help but wonder is like, is that how they talk on, you know, yeah. at the studio? Like, Hey, how the F you doing? Oh, good effing morning to you. Hey, did you get that effing task? I sent you F yeah, I did. In fact, I effing finished it just now. Oh, effing right on bro. Yeah, exactly. Hey, did you check out the news? Oh yeah, dude, that was effed up. Hey guys, we're going to have an effing meeting in a second. Okay. So you can effing get off your suits and effing get in the room. That'd be awesome. Right. right? Have a good effing day. <laughs> no, you're just like, <laughs> F yeah. Uh, there are so many other descriptive words in the English language that you could use to get your point across. And there are many clever words you could use as well. And again, like I said, there are plenty of games that I play where yes, there is cussing in the dialogue and you know what? It doesn't bother me because okay, those types of examples actually work, but I feel like this is kind of something that it's not even like, exclusive to Ubisoft. I feel like, like there are a number of studios where I don't know if it's a desire to want to try and, and appear edgy, edgy yeah. or they're controversial. Like, well, like, or like to your point, you were saying how, well, maybe they're trying to relate to their audience or whatever it is. This, the issue though, is that the gaming audience is this broad scope of people now. I mean, it's not like gaming has only been around for like five to 10 years. And so therefore, you know, you have uh 13 and 14 year olds playing the game. You literally have people who, who go from being like 10 years old all the way up to like 50 years old. I mean, it really depends on, on who's interested in that particular genre. So I think it's, I think here's the thing. There's a thing, Steve mm. a thing is a solution that I have is simply put something in the options that is, it's basically kind of like a cussing filter, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, Hey, you know, if you want to hear the F word mentioned in your game 5,000 times, keep it on the default setting. But if you want to have the F word uttered, I don't know, maybe a hundred times, then like here, you can move that slider and then you won't hear it quite as, you know what I mean? Like, like such an easy fix and it, it would make it more, I mean, I understand this is subjective. There are people out there who like, yeah, give me more of the F word. <laughs> I love it. You know, give, do it all the time. But the thing is that the F word doesn't really, it, it's only there for emphasis, but it's not there to paint a picture. Yeah. And so even if you take out the word and you still have, and the sentence is still the same yeah. and you take out the F word effing, then this thing <laughs> takes, it's like the same sentence there. The picture will probably be more clear of what you're trying to describe, or you can put another word in place for it. And it would be a much more intense and a much more mature script. And then leave it for the really heavy emphasis times. If, if, there's points where they use it where it's like, oh my gosh, like yeah. this is life or death right now. My yeah. goodness. And I don't have, I don't know what else the word to say. Then let's get that out of here. Hey, like, like if you play a Call of Duty game and that game, as we all know, is really intense. Right. Like there are moments where you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm like fighting for survival or whatever. And maybe like an F-bomb gets dropped in there. Hey, I don't even bat an eye because that's appropriate. Yeah. That makes sense. But like in this game, and for instance, it's not even limited to one character. Like right. I was thinking, oh, okay, 
what if out of the cast of characters, there's one character in particular that for whatever reason, this is just how they talk, right? right. Okay. Gives them a I lot of personality to that one character, right? Exactly. And so that's that's something that like I can I can get behind. But in this game, it's literally every single character that, even, I, that even I the have alligator. come across. <laughs> even the alligator. <laughs> Nope. You know what's funny is that Guapo yeah. is literally the one character that is like ha- has a clean mouth yeah. out of all of them, <laughs> right. which is saying something considering uh, he's a big chomper. Yeah. But, uh, but no, like I think that that is also worth mentioning because they are showcasing a certain class of people. This is a culture that Ubisoft has chosen for their game. And I get it. All cultures cuss and swear and everything else. But at the same time, I think it's important that they act a bit sensitive to it because I'm pretty sure like, you know, South American cultures or cultures that are in the Caribbean or whatever, they don't all like to cuss on the regular like that all the time. I mean, I just, I think in this day and age, we need to be a little more thoughtful as to how we represent a certain type of culture. Well, just to branch off that, not that I want to talk about this for a long period of time, but um, this is, you know, in the beginning of the game or relatively in the beginning, um, so this is not a spoiler in any way because you find this out in the first 10 minutes, but so the main character is basically wants to get out of her land. I mean, it's, it's in Cuba basically. Yeah, so yeah. she wants to leave Cuba. You know, there's a dictator there. He's off and everybody, I mean, he's a tyrant, whatnot. So she wants to leave and she wants to go to Miami. And I was just in Miami not too long ago. And there's references to like, Oh, they'll never take you. You'll never have the American dream. You'll never do this. I walked down little Havana myself and talked to business owners and the ideal is completely different. Like they are really thankful to be here. Like they know they came here with just like a little bit of money in in their pocket and there's clothes on their back and they worked hard and they own a business and they're making money and they know plenty of others who are doing the same. So like if they had, they had that, uh, that spoken to them, they would completely disagree. I do notice that as well as I play the game where it's not just even a one-off it's several times during the dialogue sequence. There is America bashing going on right. in the dialogue. And on the one hand, I think, okay, they're, they're telling it from a certain character's perspective. Maybe he's had some bad run-ins or bad experiences, that sort of thing. But at the same time too, this is Ubisoft. And I just, I don't know. Once again, I feel as though, they need to be again, more mindful and thoughtful of how they approach certain subject material. And I think it's, it's been kind of easy. It's been easy to, to make those kind of comments uh, toward America. And maybe they think that, that their audience really digs that as they live here and have a privileged life. But at the same time, I don't know. I just, I think in the attempt to be edgy or funny or what have you, I think that they're kind of in danger of, of it's just, it doesn't make sense within the story itself of what they're trying to convey, at least in my opinion. But anyway, moving on from there, we, we have positive things to say (laughs) about this game. Glad we're done with that topic. It's just, (laughs) I think, I think for you and I, just one last comment I'll make and then we'll, we'll, we'll go over is I think 
we have a bit of a pet peeve when it comes to Ubisoft in this regard, because even like when it comes to E3 back in the normal years before COVID and everything else, we would be looking forward to their show. And like, even like the, the, the host, whoever they had was up there. Like the PR guy. Well, I mean, like, like there was that one lady, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but, but she was hosting for two or three years uh, there even she was dropping F-bombs in between the different games and stuff. And I'm just like, there, guys, there is no need to do that. You look unprofessional when you're relying on <laughs> F-bombs like that. Like, you look immature. You're not looking pro. Like, there's just, I don't know. There, there's a certain lack of decorum. It's like, again, it's literally like you're at a party or something and there's some person who's trying to be cool and they're failing at the party. And they're trying to, like be hip and edgy and they're, they're like cussing up a storm and people around them are like, geez, what's this person's deal? Right. Anyway. By the way, you know who's a uh, Cuban? We just talked about her in the last episode. Ana de Armas. That's right. You're asking me. I asked uh, you that in the last uh, show and you didn't even know. You're no, like, you asked me what movie she had been in and I forgot. No, first I asked, did you recognize who that was? Right. And you did not know. You're like, right. Oh, no. And then I said it was Blade Runner 2049. That's right. And I also said she was in Knives Out. And you're like, she was? Oh, yes, she you're was. You're right, but I didn't know that she was Cuban. Yes, Steve. I don't know. Yes. Going back to Far Cry 6. Yes. Uh, obviously, you have not beaten the game yet. No, You're not, not very yet. far no, in the game yet. Far. But in terms of the the previous Far Cries that you have played, how does this one stack up? So, uh, I mean, this is definitely going back to the direction I wanted to go because when, when I'll, everything that I've seen in Far Cry Five, I just wasn't really in there. I mean, it, it the premise of of the Far Cry series, in, in my opinion, is um, you're an individual who gets dropped like in this third world nation that that's at civil war, and you have to make do with a lot of tools that that you have. And yes, the environment is beautiful, but it's also deadly. I mean, there's you know tigers in the jungle, and there's you know creatures that'll kill you, and uh, your your decisions affect. Uh, you know, what side of that civil war that you're on. And there's a lot of like, oh crap moments. Like I just want to go home, but I don't at the same time, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's a beautiful place to be in, but it's also very scary. Uh, and it's dirty and it's gritty and it's rugged, uh, but it has its own style that way, I think. Cause you have a lot of military you know, first person shooters and this is not, I mean, even though this is a first person shooter, it's not necessarily like, you're Sam Fisher. You're not. You're just an average Joe. And yeah. You're like you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to survive, right? And that's kind of a a, a continuous theme throughout the the other Far Cries. Uh, the other, correct? Yes. And so, like, even when you go to heal yourself, so um, and in other first person shooter games, you'll get like a health pack or something, or, yeah, or a health spray, or you'll eat some herbs, you know, and just. <laughs> point some ointment on it. Well, this one, like it's much more gritty. So like, you know, you'll, you'll have like shrapnel, like in your yeah. arm, like, you'll, you'll rip it out with your mouth or something. Or, um, I, I had one where I was uh, healing myself and she took a pair of pliers and right. she pulled the bullet out of her arm, which yeah. I was like, Whoa. Okay. That was pretty cool. Or sometimes like, uh, well, not in this guy. I haven't seen it yet, but there, there's different animations for different far cries, sure. but like, like her, fingers or something will be out of socket. So you'll see her go like, oh, wow. You know, sort of thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so does was, that feel better? Was that particular example from this game or was this from a previous part? Previous cry? one. Okay. Um, 
I noticed though in this one, um, I selected a mode that said, you know, if you really want to explore, you know, and you want to stick to the story, choose this mode. And so yeah. I thought, okay, well, I'll choose that one. Um, but I think I probably should have chose the other mode because it was a bit harder. And this one, you have like a ton of life. Like I barely have to even heal myself like whatsoever. And yeah. I'm like no pro player like whatsoever. So, but anyway, point is, is that it, there's a lot of stylistic elements to Far Cry that I, I like. Yeah. Um, so anyway, being in Cuba, it's like the perfect little location for a Far Cry. Um, so there, there is definitely a lot to like. Um, I love hearing like all the Cuban music. You yeah. know, I mean that is an awesome touch, especially when like the action gets like tough. I noticed that as well. Um, there's a lot more customization. It seems like to the uh, to your weapons. Uh, in other Far Cries, you have uh, like a skill tree that mm. you kind of unlock, and I'm kind of glad that's gone because it's like. Do you know for for a fact it is gone? Um, I mean, it seems I'm like a quarter of the way in. I would figure they would if it was there, it would have they would have told me by now. Um, which is which is fine because like, oh, someone had a thought. Hmm. But <laughs> like in for in previous Far Cries, uh, you had to level up to take down some of the tougher enemies. Sure. And in this one, you can still take them down, but like if you don't have the right bullets or you don't, you know, like armor piercing or something, or if they're they're wearing more uh, body armor, right. then they'll be a lot harder to take down. But you can still do it. And the previous game, like if you had one of those enemies with just a, they're just a tank, right? You couldn't kill them like whatsoever. Okay. And so I'm kind of glad. I mean, that's definitely a step in the right direction because even if they have a bunch of armor on, they're gonna still gonna have weak spots. Yeah. Right. Sure. So. But I will say, uh, part what's uh, what's different is, um, like the story is it's linear, of course. Like it, it, you can it's an open world you can explore, but it is a linear story. But like there was a spot I wanted to get to, in the map where there was two like you know pretty big ships, right? And I was about to go to bed. I'm like, ah, I don't care if I die. I'm just gonna go check it out, see what happens. And so I go over there. And, and I take some enemies out and then somebody sees me and like they throw, they trip the alarm. And sure. so I think, okay, well it's on like Donkey Kong now. And the enemies just kept on spawning and 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 spawning. And spawning. And so like, it was like, was it kind of like a perma spawn thing where like they, they, they would just continue to do so endlessly? Yeah, yeah. Endlessly. And then I actually got to the part where I was supposed to get to the ships and then I just took everybody out. And it was like nothing. So it was like, you know, even though they they let you do that free roam, they don't let you exactly do everything until yeah. the story catches up. So I don't know. Take that. I mean, that's not like a huge gripe or nothing. But at the same time, if they if they give you all the tools to get the job done, mm -hmm. um, I think they kind of should let you, you know, give it a shot. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But at least, you know, give you an equal, equal opportunity. Yeah, I know for me, so this is my first foray into the Far Cry series, and I feel like this is a perfect time for me to be able to jump in and, and get into it because I really like the setting. I, I really liked what you're talking about, about the idea of kind of MacGyvering their weapons and using kind of just different household items or, or stealing things and, and, and putting something together. I, I really appreciate that. And I really like the idea of these different animals. I know that that there is a wiener dog somewhere that will help you out. We haven't got, at least I haven't gotten there yet, but I have Guapo. 
he's great. I love being able to sick him on like uh, various enemies and that sort of thing. It does make me wonder if there are other animals that will um, come up in the game as well. But what, what, what did you think of, of Guapo uh, up to this point anyway? Um, you know, he, it's, it's fine. That's a different element. Um, I think you, you do definitely have the, the opportunity to like interact with other animals in previous games. But, uh, I mean, he's Guapo is kind of like your sidekick yeah, in a, in a way, but I found myself not wanting to like sick him on people. Um, I just figured because w- if he gets close and there's an enemy there, uh, they freak out and they start shooting and it scares him. <laughs> and he's going to attack him anyway. And I kind of feel like, like I want him to act naturally instead of me just commanding him to, to yeah. do certain things. So I let him do whatever he follows me anyway. I had the same kind of thought where like, I, I would rather him act organically as opposed to constantly giving him commands just to see what would happen, just to have it kind of things unfold the way they do. But I, I one of the funny things is, is I find myself petting him all the time. Like I just love to like give him a, like a chunk of meat or right. scratch his chin or whatever. I never thought I would actually have as much fun with that as I do. So kudos to the, the folks over we saw for, for putting that in. Yeah. The graphics themselves, you know, so it, it's a, it's a bit difficult for us to be able to comment on this accurately because on the one hand I have bought the game on my PS five, but I don't have a 4k TV. So I'm playing on a 1080p TV. You have a 4k TV, but you have an ancient Xbox one. It's not even Xbox one X. Therefore you don't have the 4k capability. So we, unfortunately uh, we're not looking at it in in a optimal setting. Yes. Having said that though, I do think that the world they have built is very colorful. I think right. it's it's pretty. Um, I don't. I, it's not jaw dropping like a God of War environment or say a Red Dead Redemption Two environment or a Horizon Zero Dawn environment. Those still are are way up here. And I think Ubisoft is kind of in this transitionary period where they've made the jump into these really large worlds. But then I think one of the the drawbacks. Um, that they're having to wrestle with is like, okay, how on earth do we populate this, this huge space that we've created, but do so in a way that manages that level of detail or, or graphics fidelity. And previous games, they did um, more so it seems like where you would overtake a stronghold. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a camp, there's like eight to 12 guys there. If long you take out the camp, you kind of liberate it in a way. And, um, and then some of the, some of the people from the side that you're fighting on come to occupy that stronghold. Mm. And then if some of the enemy drives by to try and retake it, they will fight, uh, alongside you. Right. Or you could be traveling from one spot to the, the next spot and then you'll hear gunfire in the distance and it, and it's, you know, little militias basically firing at each other, trying to, you know, kill each other and you can help out. And, and once they're done, you're like, Oh man, that was great. Thanks for helping. You know, and they just, you know, they're very, very thankful. You sure were helping, but so, I mean, so this game does it a little bit where, uh, you know, after you have the stronghold or every, you know, you'll see like two guys maybe firing at each other or like one guy against two or something like that, but it's not 
as much as it was before. Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant by populate? I mean, like by people, or you might, you mean like, you know, with buildings and trees and grass and ferns and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I was just making the comment on how, on the one hand, you have Ubisoft that has been pushing the boundaries in terms of these open worlds and how these worlds have been getting, you know, like, like the Assassin's Creed series, for example, have, at least the, the previous two titles anyway, have really pushed this notion of like, man, this world is really big. And I think that there comes a creative challenge with that in terms of, okay, how do you populate a world like that that is so big? How do you maintain a certain bar of quality with regards to the level of detail of the characters, the environment, so on and so forth? Yeah, gotcha. Yes, indeed. Yeah. One of the things also that I think is a lot of fun is the fact that we both chose the female character, Danny. Yeah. And... I find the the character model actually really striking. Do you? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, she, you know, she's post military mm-hmm. in in the game, and she has that, you know, a shorter haircut because it's basically more like utilitarian. If you have to always kind of wrap your hair up, you know, that's gonna, you know, get that's people are gonna grab it. You know, if yeah. you're fighting with somebody, so if it's shorter, they there's less to grab. Plus, you can just put your helmet on and not have to constantly wipe your hair away. Yeah, exactly. So, and it looks like she had some like some scars or something like a, like across uh, like her temples, like where her hair is. They're not braided really, but it looks like it was maybe she was cut. Also, look at that again. Yeah, I, I remember like certain like parts like with her her hair detail, but I don't remember seeing like scratches necessarily or what. But but also too, it seems like in this one there's a lot more. Um, attention to uh, clothing and like you can kind of customize your character, even though you're not really seeing your character really until a cutscene, really. But uh, you know, you can get the gas mask or you can get gloves or, you know, and you can um, later on in the game, you can get stuff that's like, um, you know, anti or what was it called? Like a gas mask kind of thing, or you can get gloves that uh, are more like fire retardant because like you, if someone catches like all the grass on fire around right. you, and you're always like, ah, you're trying to put out the fire, but, but you can get clothes that are fire resistant. So uh, that's something new in the game as well. That they, they're the oh, interesting. To. Yeah. Yeah. For me, because this is my first time with the game, I, I don't know what's new and what's not new. But having said that, I do like, once again, I, like when you think of um, third world countries or countries that have a poor population, they find ways to, to survive by being more creative or have the ingenuity to be able to come up and be like, okay, well, if I combine this with this other thing, then that would work. And I think it's, it also speaks to the clothing as well, where maybe they don't have an entire hundred percent suit of something. Like you said, like may, maybe like, like there's a, maybe they have like hazmat gloves or a hazmat mask or something like that, but they don't have like the, the actual jumpsuit that comes with sure. it or the, or the boots, or whatever. Cause I did notice that too, where they don't just give you like an entire new skin or suit that if you find it like, Oh, you've unlocked all these, you know, even the, the shoes, the pants, the shirt and the gloves and the hat, you know, way to go. You know, I, I think that it was, very purposeful in terms of like having you stumble upon different things. And maybe you'll find something that matches something else that you're looking for, that you're trying to complete the set of. But at the same time, I think that's kind of the visual charm of the game where, yeah, like you're more often than not going to have this smorgasbord of different types of, of articles of clothing or whatever. And, and I think that just, it speaks to more of the setting that they're in. Yeah. 
So I, I think that's that's uh, that's pretty fun in, in its own way. Um, did you have any other thoughts about it so far? Like I said, I haven't made it too far into the game, sure. so like I, I've just scratched the surface in terms of being able to like upgrade my weapons with different things I've come across, and and even like with the articles of clothing. Did you have anything else? What do you think of the sound, Russ? Like with a gunfire and walking through like the grass and branches like hitting you and stuff and like you know shooting and motors and whatnot i have a feeling you probably have a better experience with that than me just because i haven't been playing the game like super loud you know i I think you probably (laughs) have so you have a lot more of those subtle sounds and whatnot what i have heard though i mean i i do really like it a lot i and again going back to some of the MacGyver kind of approaches of things like for instance, like, like the makeshift silencer or, or suppressor that you put on the end of the gun that is clearly not like the official suppressor yeah, right. or whatever. Like, you know, you find some sort of canister and you get some duct tape and some other stuff. And but I like that because for instance, in that um, particular example, I can fire off a certain number of rounds before that container starts to heat up. If I continue to use it, it will kind of fail at being a suppressor with the right. sound and then it gets louder and then it attracts more attention. And right. So I think that's really cool. I, I like, like that idea. I just got the backpack that I'm really excited about with regards to it being like a rocket launcher of some kind, you know, where you can have different types of ammunition. I'm, I'm guessing you can come across various munitions and then apply them either to uh, personnel or vehicles or what have you. So that's a lot of fun. But in terms of the audio, like what I've heard thus far, I mean, it, it sounds appropriate. I haven't heard anything that that's out of place. Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the guns definitely sound more impactful or uh, like there, there'll be a, a sequence where you get on a boat. And when you're just walking around the boat, you can kind of hear like the like the water kind of slap the hole a little bit. Um, not like sort of thing, but <laughs> you know, but um, there's certain sounds where it's kind of bubbly and floaty where the, the boat's kind of creaking a little bit as you're walking on it. Mm-hmm. And then when you get off, of course, it, 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 you stop hearing those noises. Um, or if you're walking on wood, you're walking on dirt, you're walking on grass they'll have different uh, noises as well, or something like little rickety noises if you're driving something that's kind of about to fall apart. Hey, all that stuff up, as I like it. Good. One thing I will say, though, too, um, I think backtracking a little bit to the story is in previous Far Cries, you are a character, and this might not necessarily be a bad thing, um, like you, you're, you're a character who has experience, like you're post-military. Mm-hmm. And previous Far Cries, you're just a dude. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. You know, and and so, but being just a guy, you have to learn all this stuff. Like, you don't really know how to shoot. Um, you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to survive. And you're kind of depending on kind of like the main locals to show you around and show you what to do and kind of bring you up to speed. Mm-hmm. This one, it's like, um, you know, you... you kind of get shoved right into it. And then you're like, you're the hero. You're our main person. Now you're like, Oh really? Oh, I just got here six hours ago. I'm now I'm like your main gal, yeah. you know? And I kind of wanted to get in a little bit uh, more slowly, I guess. So I could meet the locals and see who the players were. And then I, I mean, eventually, yes, I'm going to be like the top person, but 
I mean, it's still the beginning of the game. Now you're like, okay, you're on your own. Yeah, you're cool. Yeah. You're our best. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> what were you guys before I got here? <laughs> I do have an observation that I have to tell you before I forget. And that is, I think they took some of the gameplay elements from Ghost of Tsushima and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you've played some of the, the older Far Cries, but I've noticed playing this game that they have kind of like these checkpoints or these strongholds. And while you don't necessarily call out the enemies and like have like a, like a little standoff, (laughs) it's not like that. Right. But just in terms of, Oh, you come across these checkpoints. And if you rid that checkpoint of all of the enemies and you, you destroy like the billboard that's there, it will then become a checkpoint for your, uh, your group, basically. Yeah. That's That's been another Far Cry. It has been. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's Ghost of Tsushima that perhaps took a, mm. a note or two from the Far Cry series. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. But that was something I keyed on because, again, this is my first Far Cry game. I'm a big fan of, of Ghost of Tsushima, and that was one of the big things in that game. And, I mean, it's not even necessarily something that Ghost of Tsushima originated. I mean, we, we've seen that in different capacities in various games. Uh, as I as I talk about it, so where do uh, you see your your excitement level of this game being like as you continue on? Like like is it something where like you're totally hooked and you're having a, a blasty blast of a time, uh, or are, is it kind of more of a you're still having a wait and see approach to it? Like where where do you? F- I'm more interested in you because you, right. you're more of the the Far Cry player. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm a little bit in between. Um, being hooked and um, just kind of being cautious, I would say. In previous Far Cries, I couldn't get enough. I mean, I was you know playing the thing to like three or four in the morning, and sure. then I you know would think about it during the day. Can't wait to go back. And this one, especially with like you know Overwatch, <laughs> Halloween of Terror, I'm like kind of want to play Halloween of Terror. <laughs> I only have like 24 days left, you know, something right, you know. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not as hot to play Far Cry Six as I thought I would be. That being said, I mean, I am having fun with it and I am going to be playing it. And especially after, you know, Halloween's over, uh, I'm interested to see, you know, if they kind of continue on that approach of, uh, you know, will Danny stay with the, you know, the, the resistance fighters or will she end up, you know, just immigrating out of Cuba? Yeah. Uh, Cuba, not Cuba, Cuba. Um, or, you know, what, what is she going to do? Uh, and I kind of want to see what happens to the rest of the characters. I mean, you start to see little things here and there. But, uh, I mean, I'm definitely interested in the story. And I want to see, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we saw in the trailer. Like when they're, you know, in town. Like maybe, um, I don't know. It's, probably, it's I think it's a fictional town that they're in already. But yeah. um, anyway, you, like, you, you customize different weapons like the CD players. <laughs> oh, like yeah. There, there's discs. a lot to look forward to yeah. in terms of the weaponry as well as exploring the island itself. I know from the the game trailers that not everything is in the in the bush. Right. Like you are going to be going into some cities or towns or whatever right. it is that have plenty of architecture. So that will be interesting. Um and, and for me, I think I'm with you in, in the sense where like I'm having a good time. I'm looking forward to seeing what else is out there. I think it's probably going to be one of those games where like the more stuff you unlock and the more you get used to it, then the more fun you're going to have. There is kind of that learning curve right now where you're trying to learn, okay, how does all the UI elements work together? You know, you don't have, or at least in my case, I don't have very many items to, to cross pollinate with various weapons or whatever. 
So we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, I'm having fun with it so far. And, and I, I would say, you know, definitely if you're a fan of, Car- of Far Cry, is it safe to say that, that they'll probably enjoy this game? Yes. Well, there you have it. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it helps us financially do this show. Also, make sure you karate chop that subscribe button. Maybe jump that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, do a search of at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media of choice. We're on all the major ones and we drop fun stuff, little morsels and tidbits all the time on the regular. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every 9.30 p.m. Every 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday night. (laughs) Every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, we're there. We hope to see you there as well. We look forward to hanging out with you again next week.